Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Tom Brady may play at least two years for the Bucks, right? But is his replacement at quarterback on the roster already? It could be Reed Sinnott. We'll introduce you to the San Diego Toreros quarterback and undrafted free agent. And how bad was Jameis Winston's contract? Well, Andy Dalton got $7 million with a $3 million guarantee from, wait for it, the Dallas Cowboys. And the NFL schedule will be out this week. How many national TV games will there be? There's an unofficial schedule bouncing around out there on social media. We'll tell you why. Some of that doesn't add up. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, it looks like you know there's more talk, of course, about the NHL, about the NFL. Saw something from Mike Florio we'll get into uh, about some of their plans coming up. And, um, of course, the NFL schedule, as we mentioned, uh, could be out here in a little bit. Uh, a couple things over the weekend, if people didn't have a chance to read it in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, you can read it on TampaBay.com. Wrote a story about Reed Sinnott. Uh, this is a guy that was a late bloomer, to say the least. And, of course, you know, the Bucks went into the draft wanting to take a quarterback, wanting to get someone probably in the middle rounds. It didn't work out for them. They traded both, both fourth-round picks, um, you know, for Gronkowski and then also to move up and, and uh, take Tristan Wirfs. But so, you know, they got to the end of the draft and uh, they wound up finding an interesting prospect. And if you think about it, uh, you know, this this guy has two years um, to sort of learn his craft and learn from behind Tom Brady if he wants to. And that's not to say they wouldn't draft a quarterback next year or if Brady plays three years the year after. Um, but Reed Sennett is somebody that didn't even start until his senior year of high school. It's very interesting. Um, you know, he is from. Iowa and uh, much like Tristan Wirfs um, and he managed to start his last year and he had had some opportunities to go to some division one delay schools could have gone to the Ivy League he was you know recruited by like Harvard and Yale and people like that um, but he decided to go to San Diego which if you remember that's where Josh Johnson came from when Jim Harbaugh was the coach there before he went to Stanford so uh, they've had a, uh, a pretty good program Dale Lindsay, as a matter of fact, is the head coach there and has been for a number of years. And Dale Lindsay, for one year under Richard Williamson in 91, was the Bucks linebackers coach. So I remember him from that. Um, but it was really interesting talking to uh, Reed the other day because, you know, in college, he didn't start until his fifth year. I mean, he was a fifth-year senior. So he goes to San Diego. He got stuck behind the two-time conference player of the year at quarterback, Anthony Lawrence. But he goes in there as a fifth-year senior, and he, he went off. He had 3,528 yards, 32 touchdowns, uh, 10 interceptions, and then he also ran for six scores. He's not really a scrambling quarterback. I mean, this guy is about 6'3 and 228 pounds or so. And so uh, he's a big guy with a big arm. But he's really one of these quarterbacks that is just, you know, gets it done upstairs. He, he, he's a student of the game. That's one of the things, one of the reasons why he stuck it out at San Diego was he really was close friends with Lawrence, helped him a lot 
uh, you know, in the quarterback room, felt like he could have done what Lawrence did, and then he went out and he proved it the one year that he did play. And so as the draft was winding down, Senate was getting calls, you know, from teams that said they were going to take him in the seventh round. Of course, they didn't. Uh, by the time the seventh round was over, his agent called him and said, hey, Tampa's not going to draft a quarterback. Do you want to entertain any other offers? And he said, ah, uh, no. <laughs> it just sounds good to me. Um, you know, so at that point, there's no talk, no reason to talk to anybody else. And so he just said, let's do it. And so he ends up coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to back up Tom Brady, which, uh, of course, for him is, is an amazing thing. Ironically, though, he grew up in Johnson. Uh, well, he grew, he grew up in Iowa. And he was he was a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. That was his whole his whole deal. Uh, from he's from Johnson, Iowa, and he rooted for Peyton Manning. And that he said that's the guy that actually got me into football. I mean, watching Peyton Manning as a young kid, and of course, you know, once again, here's a guy that's you know only twenty two, twenty twenty three years old. That you know already um, Tom Brady has been in the NFL almost as long as he's been alive. That's just going to be the way it is with all these rookies, but. He uh, he hasn't had a chance to talk to Brady yet, but he said that you know the best situa- the best thing about this situation for him is that no matter what you know he gets to go in there and learn from Brady. Um, obviously, you know Bruce Arians as well has had a lot of quarterbacks. Clyde Christensen, you've got Byron Leftwich in there, so he feels like that he's going to have a lot of good coaching. Now, here's the reason why I think Senate will stick on this team somehow, even if he's not the number three quarterback, because they do have Ryan Griffin, and of course they have Blaine Gabbert, who's probably going to be their number two. Um, he could get the job as a number three guy. Uh, that would mean that, you know, most likely that Griffin would fall off the roster somehow if that if that occurs. But at minimum, I think he's going to have a spot on the practice squad, because basically they guaranteed him sort of what the maximum is for a practice squad, player and that is they gave him a ten thousand dollar bonus and they guaranteed him i think one hundred forty two thousand dollars in salary so that's about a year on the practice squad so you can see they're already planning on giving him a nice long you know sort of study behind uh tom brady and the gang and you know when when the guy has played i mean i know it's division one double a but what you look for at that lower at those lower levels is does somebody dominate you know and and he, and he hasn't played a lot of football I mean you play your senior year of high school then don't play again until your fifth year at college he could use some you know some some studying and some some seasoning if you will um, but he said honestly you know that's sort of his favorite part of the game is is going over game plans and uh, trying to help out as much as he can and you know uh, studying football and I think what the Bucks plan was all along was they, they were really on FIU's James Morgan. And he went to the Jets, ironically, and he went in the fourth round. Now, if the Bucks had not used their fourth-round pick to move up one spot to take Tristan Wirfs, and they had that fourth-rounder, uh, Morgan didn't go until the 19th pick. The Bucks would have picked ahead of them and probably would have taken James Morgan, who they really, really liked. And so Morgan goes instead um, to the Jets, and then um, they, they wind up not taking anybody in the fourth round and have to wait until the draft is almost over. So, I don't know. This guy's this guy's an interesting. He's an interesting player. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what he can do. He's not under any pressure to play this year, obviously. But you never know. I mean, you know, Tom, again, everybody. You're never going to find another Tom Brady. But there have been quarterbacks, not so much undrafted guys, but certainly um, guys that have been you know drafted late in the rounds that have developed. But this is the perfect situation for this guy, and that he doesn't have to play right away.
It's a perfect situation, but he's going to struggle with the fact that there's not going to be OTAs. You're not going to have the true. traditional offseason. So true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to imagine. You know, this is a longer term project for the Bucks. Uh, knowing I think so. that, I mean, you know, there's there's basically zero chance he's getting in this year because no. because he has got no offseason program to even show what he can do, et cetera. But but right. you have an opportunity to learn from Tom Brady, Byron mm-hmm. Leftwich, Bruce Arians, et cetera. So it, it's a great situation for him outside of the lack of an offseason plan. Exactly. And I think that, you know, going into next year, I mean, the Bucks hope to win, right? So they don't hope to be picking in the top 10, top 15. They want to be down in the, in the 30s, preferably, if they can be. And so you assume that no matter what, they won't have a shot at either Clemson's Trevor Lawrence or Ohio State's Justin Fields, right? Those guys will go really, really high, probably number one overall for Lawrence. We'll see where Fields ends up. And so then you look at the rest of the college prospects. The guys to watch in college football are going to be like Jamie Newman, who uh, you know transferred from Wake Forest. It's going to be the, the uh, quarterback at Georgia. He's going to be getting some good coaching from Todd Munkin, who, of course, was the Bucks offensive coordinator. So you'll see him develop. Uh, Kevin Mond at uh, Texas A&M um, is a guy that's playing under Jimbo Fisher in kind of a pro-style offense. You have uh, K.J. Costello at Mississippi State, who's a transferred from Stanford, played 29 games out there the last three years, and he's, he's going to be playing under Mike Leach. So you know that uh, the Bulldogs are going to air it out if there's college football again. This is all based on whether or not they play. And then Brock Purdy at Iowa State, Matt Campbell's done a nice job out there. He's got 43 touchdowns and 16 interceptions in two seasons already with the Cyclones. If you go to free agency, though, you're looking at guys like, how about Mitch Trubisky? Did <laughs> you see where the Bears did not exercise his fifth-year option? Yeah, I can't. Ouch. I don't think that's a surprise. No, probably not. Not the way Mitch has played. I mean, it's a make-it-or-break-it year, obviously, for him. Mm-hmm. They got Nick Foles there, right? So Foles, Foles is going to compete for the job. He could win the job, and therefore you wouldn't want to guarantee Trubisky what, $25 million. It's only guaranteed against injury, but if that happened, you'd you look pretty silly. Jacoby Brissett could shake loose from the Colts, which is ironic since he – uh, backed up, you know, Brady in Indianapolis before he went over to. Uh, I'm sorry, with New England before he went to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happens with Derek Carr? Right, he's not a free agent in 2021. But if he lost his starting job to Marcus Mariota, I tell you what, man, what what happens to Derek Carr? Mm-hmm. You probably have to wait until he got released, since he's um, got a contract for 19 million dollars next year. Um, but you wonder if he gets cut and becomes maybe a, you know, tries to get. On a, like in an apprenticeship like Winston did with Drew Brees or something like that, um, you just don't know. Uh, it's not likely, but it's intriguing. And so, well, you, you got know, other, right you now, got Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton will be free agents next year. <laughs> That's true. I I'm going to say that that Jameis Winston after after last weekend may not be headed back here anytime soon. I don't want to say that he's really burning bridges because he was sort of gracious to the Glazers and to Lovey Smith for drafting him and fulfilling his dream and paying him $40 million over the last five years. But, um, you know, every interview he does, it kind of gets worse and worse. We had last week where he said he doesn't no longer has to learn how to play quarterback by reading Google or by going on Google, that kind of thing. And then um, he was on, I think it was Rich Eisen, and he talked about wanting to stay in the NFC South and um, and about playing his former team. And he, go, and he said something to the extent of, yeah, I want to beat them twice a year, every year for the rest of my life. <laughs> So, I mean, listen, I totally get it. So and he's the heir apparent kind of, to Matt Ryan if, if it doesn't work out in New Orleans? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. And then he'll go to Carolina if that doesn't work out. 
I get it. I really do. And I've always said, like, people are always like, oh, Jameis, I was a big fan. Now I hate you. Listen, it's not it's not show friends, folks. It's show business. These This is professional sports. And and to be honest with you, in any profession, like, do you want the person who, who comes in there to do better than you did if they get rid of you? I don't. I mean, if somebody... Sorry, folks. I know there's there could be somebody on the staff right now that's going to take over the Bucks beat. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow. Maybe this podcast. I don't want them to do as well as me. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I don't necessarily going to root for their failure, but if I have a chance to one up them and, and go to a competitor, I will. Especially if they fire me. You know, I mean that's just human nature, right? You mm-hmm. want to beat your brothers. You want to beat um, the people that let you go that didn't have faith in you or whatever. I mean, whatever motivation you need, right? That's what you take onto the football field. Um, you know, Tom Brady still still looks at that number one ninety nine that he was picked by the New England Patriots. You know, and um, and it, and that motivates him after all his success. So, what the heck? I'm I'm not that freaked out about what Jameis Winston said. I know it doesn't. It's not a great soundbite, maybe, but you know, what do you want him to say? Yeah, I mean that's that's the competitor in you. That's what. Yeah. Look, I mean that's that's what we. That's what we build athletes to be as competitors. And, and so they're competitive for, for their position on the roster. They're competitive against their competition. They're competitive against, you know, I mean, whether it's battling for the starting position Themselves. or whatever. I mean, that, that's yeah. what they battle in everything they do. That's that's what they've done mm-hmm. their whole life. And so, right. and if they can, you know, stick it up someone's rear end because they slighted them or felt they're slighted, whatever else, of course they want to do that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're watching, you know, every Sunday night, The Last Dance. What do you think Michael right. Jordan does? Oh, I mean, someone trash talks thing. him and he's like, I'm not letting you, I'm not even letting you dribble the ball tomorrow. That's right. You know, I mean, I mean, how many stories have we heard on, you know, the he got beat on the golf course and so he took it out on Danny Ainge and the Celtics the next day. And, you know, I mean, that's right. That's what, that's what we've seen in the whole last dance, you know, documentary. That's what Michael Jordan is. That's what drives those great athletes. He was so driven, especially after losing twice, you know, back to back to the Detroit Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he got everybody on the weights and then. That's when Phil Jackson, you know, had had come in and, um, you know, convinced Michael that, you know, as long as he always had the ball, that it would be easy to defend him because everybody knew, you know, where the ball was going. Um, And so he started, you know, getting his teammates involved and he made everybody better. And he was so driven after that, especially that second series loss to the Pistons. And then, of course, they came back the next year and swept them 4-0 and um, you know, began their run, and that's when Isaiah and those guys walked off, and you know that that ticked them off even more. So, yeah, the great one, the great ones always find a way. I mean, Brady has talked about even you know trying to compete against himself. You know, like uh, how much better can he get as an athlete? As you know, his nutrition. Um, you know, don't be satisfied with six Super Bowl titles. You know, he could have mm-hmm. won nine, that sort of thing. And so now you know, you know what Brady's motivation is. It goes without saying, he wants to prove that he's the greatest of all time and was the greatest of all time with or without Bill Belichick. I mean, that is a real thing. I don't, I'm not saying that he has an axe to grind with Belichick or that those guys don't have total appreciation and understand that, that they probably couldn't have won that many titles without the other. You know, Obviously, Bill can't play quarterback and Brady can't coach, so they needed each other. But now Brady has a chance at 43 to do something that no one's ever done, um, which is, you know, play at a high level at this age and, and, and maybe lead the Bucks to a championship. And wouldn't that be something? And wouldn't that cement even a, a bigger legacy for him? And he says he's not worried about legacy, but he is driven. 
because he loves to play football, and now he's going to experience something different than he did the last 20 years. So all those guys are looking for something. But Winston, I'll give him a pass. I mean, I, I, I like the fact if I were the Saints that, you know, he wants to beat the Bucks, and I would hope that, you know, if he gets his chance to play that, you know, he'll, he'll compete the way you would expect him to, and and we'll see what they wind up with. The one thing I will say, though, is that, boy, we – we know that his contract was bad, right? I mean, $1.1 million is is the total on that thing. If he played a lot, he might make as much as three and a half, I guess. But when you take $1.1 million, Uncle Sam gets roughly half of that. Basically, he's paying for that Harvard quarterback school in New Orleans. Well, we um, do know Harvard is expensive. I mean, It is expensive, and he's, and he's going to pay about half a million dollars for a semester, I think, because um, you know, by the time he gets to New Orleans and he's going to keep his home in Tampa, so that means he's got to find, at least for himself, maybe his wife and kid, I don't know, a, a temporary residence. And so the money will go to there and, um, you know, flying back and forth. I mean, whatever, he's going to wind up losing money on this deal in essence, but he might he might gain uh, becoming the heir apparent to Drew Brees if, he, if, and a big if, he retires after this season because we know he's got a job at NBC whenever he does. But you still have Taysom Hill who's, you know, Guaranteed about sixteen million over the next two years. So right now, uh, you know, it looks like Hill would would come in as the number two, and Jameis will try to have to battle him for the backup. And then we'll see. I think it'll be like Bridgewater if if Breeze were to go down early. I think they would probably turn to Jameis if we're going to be anything long term. But we'll see. We'll see if his if his gamble pays off. He's betting on himself. We talked about that. But how we know it was a bad contract is your boy from Cincinnati. I didn't necessarily see see this coming, Steve. I mean, he he goes. Uh, to the Dallas Cowboys as as their backup. Now he's from Dallas. Right? Say, he he played at TCU. There. He played at TCU. Yeah. So he's a local kid. So he's there. a Texas kid. Mm-hmm. So, but and he has a home. So uh, look right there. Right, you're saving money. You're going back to where you live. You can live live there in the in the Dallas metro area in your own home, sleep in your own bed, um, and get up and go to work and back up Dak Prescott. And yes, he will be the backup. I mean, we'll see what happens with Dak's contract. They've franchised him. There's negotiations that may or may not work out, and people are are theorizing whether Dak will will hold out or will he come in, and is that why Dalton is there? Is Dalton there as an insurance? Is he there to put pressure on Dak? Is he there to take Dak's job? And I'm here to tell you, I think he's there to be the number two quarterback. I th- I think it's it's insurance of you know Dak gets hurt, that decides to not right. show up, whatever. Look, Andy Dalton's a quarterback that can win you some games in the regular season particularly if they're not mm-hmm. in prime time. He's from mm-hmm. that area. He's great in the locker room. He's not a threat to Dak Prescott. I mean, no. If, if assuming Prescott comes to the, the, whatever the offseason program or training camp is in the fall, no one's going to question who the starting court. No one's going to ask, is Andy Dalton starting? It, mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's no threat to Dak with this, but he's a quarterback that if called upon, if you need him to come in for a game or two or – Whatever he can win you some games, and if the Cowboys believe they have a shot at the Super Bowl this year, it's a great signing. I think so, and they do. They they think that this is their best team. I mean, look, they they did some great things in the draft. Um, you mm-hmm. know, getting Lamb from Oklahoma. They 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 had a good team last year. Um, they got to get past the Eagles, and that that's no easy thing to do. And mm-hmm. and of course, Dak is the biggest part of that. If you've got, I don't remember many quarterbacks really in my lifetime holding out for money necessarily. I mean. That would be a weird thing. You're the leader of the team. I expect him to be there, whether he signs the uh, the franchise tender or he gets an extension. I really don't know. Dalton, though, boy, I, I mean, and you know more about him, you know, having been in Cincinnati. But 
just the the outpouring of affection for this guy from teammates to uh, Marvin Lewis, his former coach, to the city of Cincinnati. Um, they really loved the Red Rocket. I mean, they they thought he was great. Look, is he good enough to win you a Super Bowl? You know, go through a whole season? Maybe not. But is mm. he a guy you want in your locker room that you want your you, the teammates want to be around that will rally around that love playing with mm-hmm. playing for? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit, and this, and this guy was a backup in Cincinnati for a little bit and then a starter, but John Kitna was that way. Yes, every, yes. Every team he was at is loved. Everybody, you know. Every, Be loved, didn't, yes. Offense, defense, everyone on the team loved him. And, and was he the greatest mm-hmm. quarterback ever? Absolutely not. But he's a guy, he's going to help that Dallas locker room too. Right, that, absolutely. That, that's a big part of this too. I mean, and actually I saw a stat, and, and I can't remember who, who had the stat, but – made me laugh it says since Andy Dalton was a freshman in high school the amount of times that the Cowboys have made the playoffs was four and Andy Dalton made them five times <laughs> so as many you know as much as people want to rip on the Bengals in this I mean you know Dalton did get them to five straight playoffs they didn't win any of those games but um, I, 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 I think it's a home run signing for for Dallas and, and look I mean you, you said they got to get over the Eagles well the Eagles a couple years ago with Carson Wentz, kept getting hurt, and Nick Foles came in. They needed a quarterback right. that could win some games for them. They had That's that in right. the backup quarterback. And Andy Dalton's that perfect guy who's from Dallas and from that area, played college there. That's a home run signing for $3 million, maybe up to seven, depending if he plays, how much he plays. That's a home run signing for, for Dallas. No, perfect I agree. backup and quarterback. John Kitten, as you mentioned, was the Cowboys quarterback's coach up until last year, and now he's at Burleson High School as their head coach. So. <laughs> He's coach in high school, but um, but yeah, Kitna, Kitna was a guy. I remember Rod Marinelli. Uh, God bless him. He went zero and sixteen as a head coach with the Detroit Lions, and um, I felt horrible for Rod. He had a horrible team, but he loved him some John Kitna. John 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 was one of those alpha guys that uh, was you know just a team dude and um, you know kept kept things kept things rolling up there when they were going really badly for the Detroit Lions. But he's a big fan. Of uh, John Kitna, so I mean, if if I really believe if Jerry if Jerry Jones thinks he's going to the Super Bowl, he needs two quarterbacks. I I just think that's obvious. And I had somebody say to me, and I can't remember who it was, you know, why doesn't uh, Tom Brady have a better backup? And that's, you know, he's who is who have been his backups? I mean, he's had a couple. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is you know took a team to the Super Bowl to the with the Forty ers was a pretty darn good quarterback that developed behind him. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, Brissett, Brissett, who went who to the at Colts. the same time as Garoppolo. They had all three of those at the same time. Right, and he's had, uh, he's had Hoyer, who's back in New England now, mm-hmm. right? Matt Castle. But Br- Matt Castle, who won 10 games, I think, one year, when, mm-hmm. the one year that uh, Tom got hurt with the, with the ACL. Yep. But for the most part, I mean, his, you know, Tom has not missed any games other than being suspended, et cetera. And that was the year that both Garoppolo and um, Brissett played uh, when when Tom was out those four games. And then, of course, they went on once Tom got back and won a Super Bowl. But you know, the plan is 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 not certainly to to have your backup quarterback have to go many games. If you know, could he miss one or two? Sure. And then and and then it comes down to what's your comfort level um, as the head coach. And that's that's the thing is that you know I, I think. I think Bruce Arians, you know, knows sort of what he wants. And Blaine Gabbard is a guy mm-hmm. that's backed up for him before. He's I think he's five and five as a starter overall. 
Um, and so he, he won some games for BA and BA is comfortable, doesn't need a lot of, a lot of study time. This is the first time he's ever been in the same system actually, cause he's bounced around so much for three straight years or two straight, you'll know, be two straight years. And so, you know, that, that's sort of the job. Plus you got to understand that when you're in those rooms, um, those three guys, you know, or four guys got to get along, you know, they, some have to take some assignments and break down tape and do things to help each other. But, um, it helps having a guy like Gabbert that has been in the league, understands the offense, can help Tom do different things. You know, a year ago it was they didn't want anyone to threaten Jameis Winston, but they got him, you know, a veteran who could help with the offense since it was sort of a one-year install. This is similar for Brady, played in the same system for 20 years, and it's going to be Brady's, you know, collaborative um, offense with B.A., but it's still B.A.'s terminology and all of that. So yeah, I think I think they got the perfect mix there in their room. But but I, if you think you have a Super Bowl team, better get yourself a pretty good backup quarterback that can you know. I always say this: if if, if you're in the middle of a season and you're a contending team and you need your quarterback, your backup to play, and win one game, you hope he wins one. If if you need him to play three, you hope he wins one <laughs> because anything above that is gravy. And we remember when. You know, that year that Jameis Winston was suspended the first three games because of the Uber incident or whatnot, and Fitzpatrick came out and was en fuego, right? He was on fire. Um, he ended up, we, we he were was the MVP like, of well, the season already through two weeks. Two weeks he was the MVP. One player of the week, both both weeks, came out against New Orleans, lit them up. I think they scored like 48 points or something like that. He threw for 400 and at least four touchdowns, mm-hmm. three or four touchdowns in the first three games, won two of them, and almost – uh, pulled off the third one, and then he goes to Chicago after the bye week and was terrible, and they put in Jameis to mop up, and then um, they st- I think they started Fitz one more time against the Giants, and then I think Jameis came in and finished that game and was a starter from then on until he got bounced after the Cincinnati game. But um, but y- you don't expect to win a, long, a lot of games with your backup, but you do want you do want him to give you a chance to, to win and not lose, and so I think they have a pretty good mix there, but We'll see what happens. Uh, it was a little surprising, though, to see him. But then when you when you think about him being from Dallas and you think about the Cowboys and their quarterback situation, I don't think there's any question that him and Dak will get along great. So probably a really good signing for Jerry Jones. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There was, um, we talk about this a little bit too, the NFL schedule is coming out this week. It'll be later in the week. I think probably Thursday, uh, certainly by Friday. The way that the way they do this is the NFL likes to announce it on NFL Network, and that's usually like a prime time eight PM type release, you know, of all the the prime time games, and, and they go over the schedule and you know who do you like, who don't you like, what sets up well, where the where are the games you want to make sure you you check off. Well, we know that the Bucks are going to be a, a hot national team. I mean, wherever Tom Brady plays is going to get a lot of national TV games. And I think, I think we've looked at who their opponents are, not knowing what the order of the games are. But you can, you can be fairly certain that, you know, the Packers, 
you know, at Tampa Bay with Aaron Rodgers against Brady. Uh, you would certainly think Kansas City at Tampa Bay with Patrick Mahomes against Brady. At least one, maybe two New Orleans games I could see them, um, you know, being interested in from a national TV game. When we say national, we're talking about, you know, Sunday night, Monday night, possibly Thursday night. Everybody gets one of those. And so we'll have to wait and see how it all, all falls out. There was, I guess this got around the internet, uh, a leaked schedule, or some people were alleging. Um, I've seen it on social media a couple of different places. And all I can tell you is that typically the teams themselves don't really get a look at these schedules until right before they go on the air. And that is because they used to have all kinds of leaks um, from the teams themselves. And before they could get to the TV show, which they want everybody to watch, you know, these schedules were being printed in newspapers and online and it kind of, it kind of stole everybody's thunder. And so they've been very careful not to give the teams themselves the schedule until the day of, um, I can call to one buck place 25 times and they would tell me, Rick, I haven't seen the schedule. I mean, I have some ideas. We've asked for some things as far as times goes and, you know, different sort of things, but we don't know, um, until just a few hours before the broadcast, because that's just the way. And even then, they're under you know penalty of draft picks or something well, last, if they release well, it. Last year was proof they didn't see it ahead of time, because there were seven straight weeks they weren't at Ray J. They were furious. That's and right. Had, it been, had they been told days in advance, weeks in advance, they might have said, uh, excuse us, yeah. uh, this isn't good. And, and the Raiders would have the almost, same thing. The Raiders had the same issue. Although yeah. I don't think the NFL cared so much because they were leaving Oakland anyway, but... That's true, and and they obviously didn't care about the Bucks because well they were the Bucks, and and it was even that was a one time the NFL kind of admitted yeah I wish we hadn't have done you know done that quite the way we did it um, because they flew you know over what twenty one thousand miles or something and they were all kind of crammed crammed together but going seven weeks without playing in your own home stadium is is really really tough you can bet that won't be the case this year but that is proof that's evidence right there that they had not seen it until the day of and so what all I'll say about this schedule that I've seen floating around and, and I've talked to the Bucks a little bit about this is what doesn't jive about it is we understand that the coronavirus is, has thrown everything sort of in limbo. I mean, nobody can sit here today, right on May 3rd and tell you what's going to happen even on May 4th, let alone, you know, on September 4th or October 4th and beyond. And so because of that, you know, the league is faced with, you know, do we hold off? Do we, how do we do a schedule? Are we, you know, should we release 17 weeks, 16 weeks? Or what are we going to do here? And their plan is much like it has been with the draft or with free agency. Let's, let's go forward. Let's go forward as if everything is going to be on schedule. I mean, our intention you know, as a league, if you're the NFL, is to start on time, to start in September, the weekend after Labor Day, and play 16 games over a course of 17 weeks with one bye week, week in there for all the teams and and then play your Super Bowl on February 7th. I mean, that is going to be uh, what you're going to see sometime later this week on Thursday or Friday whenever they release it. It's going to be as if there's no pandemic because they don't know, you know, as far away as September what the world is going to look like. I mean, uh, and so I think when uh, when we see the schedule – um, it'll reflect that, you know, there won't be any changes. There won't be any games delayed. There won't be any Super Bowls delayed, et cetera. Now, a couple things that we've already can take note of that we know that 
might be different is that one, you would have seen the preseason schedule by now. That always came out before the regular season schedule because the preseason schedules are done by each team. They're not done by the league. They're approved by the league, but basically the Bucks would contract with Jacksonville or Miami and and that that or you know whether it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever that that would appeal to them. And the networks might take one or two of those preseason games, but for the most part you're, you do contracts team to team, right? And everybody has two home and two away games in the preseason. But we haven't seen a preseason schedule. And I'm not sure that's going to be part of this release or not. I, I would tend to think not, although obviously the Bucks could tack it on there themselves. Uh, I'm sure the NFL Network show is not interested in it all, so they won't talk about it. So it remains to be seen whether that'll be part of the release that they have this week. I Like I said, it... it it's inconsequential. My information is that there probably won't be a preseason. I mean, you're talking about games in August that don't matter, right? And so you can put them on there if you want to, but more likely we're going to have, um, if there is any kind of team you know, scrimmages, it's probably going to be sort of joint practices like we've seen in the past. And instead of playing a preseason game after a couple of days of workouts, they might have a scrimmage. There won't be much hitting. None of, none of the training camp, by the way, I expect to be open to fans. And, and frankly... What's weird about the schedule that was out there is that in week one, it had the Bucks. were they hosting Atlanta, I think? Hosting the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, in week Monday one? Night Football. Is that the one I saw? On, on Monday Night Football, which the Monday Night Football part doesn't surprise me. The Falcons. What was, the Falcons for, is, just doesn't make any sense. For several reasons, and, and we've talked about this. One, mm-hmm. I don't expect divisional games to be the first few weeks of the season. Nope. Because if they have to shorten the schedule, Mm-hmm. You don't want to lop off divisional games. Correct. So that seemed a little awkward, and I can't imagine that they want the Falcons on Monday Night Football to start the season. Now, usually it's a doubleheader on ESPN. Right. But generally I would think they'd want a, 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 a bigger name than that for Brady. I do too. Other than, I you know, too. he came back from them 28-3 a few years ago in the Super Bowl. That's true. But, yeah, I just uh, – that I mean, you know, maybe it will be true, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Unless they were going, you know, unless this is if they, now what we what we've theorized and what I've read is is that when when the schedule comes out, pay attention to the fact that there aren't division games in the first two weeks, um, maybe in the first four. I wouldn't weeks, put them we'll in the see. first four if I'm them. Right, and and that that would be because if you have to delay the start of the season or shorten the season, you don't want the divisions themselves to be impacted. You want to be able to lop off the non-division games and. For that matter, in the first four weeks, you would like to have every team have two home games and two away games. And so, you know, if you have to, after two weeks, if everybody's had one home and one away and you can't play them, boom, it's a 14-game schedule. If you had to, you know, get rid of two more weeks and start in October, it's a 12-week schedule. And, and everybody's lost a home and away game for those two weeks. And so, you know, you just you carry on. Now, there has been some talk about – um, if they do lose the early weeks of tacking those games onto the back end, which I don't know if that's feasible or not, because these things are complicated as it is when you start looking at that many different arenas. Sometimes other sports are involved in those in those arenas. Sometimes it's college football or it's soccer or what have you or concerts. Well, then at and that so, point you're also moving the Super Bowl, and so that's correct. That's correct. And and, and look, I mean Rob Higgins on the record and off will tell you that they have not been told to really focus on anything but February 7th, 
we know that there's been stories out there that the league said they could play the Super Bowl and is considering playing it as late as February 28th, and and even maybe eliminating a a you know that that bye week um, and going straight through if you had an abbreviated season or even a 16 game season. But you you would maybe have to move the Super Bowl. It doesn't do you any good to do that now, though. It doesn't do any good no. to say we're looking at moving it because, you know, the world can look so different, so different by August. We don't – we got our fingers crossed. I mean, you know, everything's opening up uh, in Florida at least um, today and on Monday, and it's, you know, restaurants at 25%. It's phase one, right? But the testing is a big thing. But, you know – by the time we get to July or August, there might be massive tests that you can do with a finger prick or saliva or something like that. And the league is counting on that, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because they don't want to take away. No league wants to take away the available tests from the general public and those that need it. Right. Those in the medical community um, that are that are taking care of people, um, those that you know come down with uh, may, may think they have coronavirus. So you just don't want to, you know, absorb an inordinate amount of tests, whether it's for baseball or hockey. Uh, and obviously, they they got a, a worse situation now because they want to play right now, and we're still in the middle of this pandemic. But for the NFL, they have the luxury of time. Well, the other part the NFL is hoping is that by July or August, baseball, hockey, basketball are all playing again. And they're going to learn a lot and know a lot and, and see. Absolutely, you know they're they're in the the best position because they're in the off season. They're not. They haven't mm-hmm. missed a game yet. They haven't shut That's anything right. down as far as that goes. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to figure out how we get this thing restarted. They're just planning for a season, and so right. they're in the best position in this regard. And 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 they have the luxury of seeing what the other leagues do first. Yeah. No. All that's all that's in their favor, and. Um, you know, I will say this, and I was reading Mark Flor- Mike, Mike Florio's column on uh, Pro Football Talk. He had um, talked to people around the league, and of course he works for NBC, so it's possible that some of the TV partners are in on these discussions, clearly. And what he said is that the NFL has every expectation, not just plans, but every expectation to play with fans in the stadium. And the theory is as far as the league goes, is that, look, you know, anyone who wants to buy a ticket and come to the game, first of all, we can't separate them because even if we attempted to do that in the stadium itself, as far as seating goes, there's too many common areas, whether it's the restrooms, concessions, the aisleways. You can't keep people six feet apart if you're going to invite fans into the stadium unless you're exclusively putting them in sky suites or club seats or something like that. Um, So because of that, uh, according to Florio, the theory is that the NFL will say, listen, you accept that, that COVID is out there, and if you're of a high-risk group, whether you're elderly, um, maybe you're immune-compromised, something like that, that you know you should stay home. You know This is not the place for you or the year for you to go, and if you need a refund of tickets, maybe we're willing to do that and give you credit towards 2021 when there's a vaccine and it's safer for you. Um, but as a as a society, we're going to have to make decisions based on whether we're risk averse or not, and it's very possible. At least the NFL thinks that by that time, you know, people can have their own tests at home, and they'll have to decide. You know, are they at risk by sitting next to somebody that could be anti, uh, you know, could be uh, asymptomatic rather, and, and sort of, um, you know, take that chance that 
in, in a group of cluster of people, maybe they get infected. Now that's, that's, that's scary to me. I I'm not sure it's going to go that way, but I know they have every intention of playing the games with fans. And, you know, again, they'll learn from the NBA. They'll learn from the NHL, which probably is going to start without them. Major League Baseball as well. And as the tests ramp up and, you know, the, um, the science gets better, we'll see. I mean, we're not hearing about a vaccine until much before January, but you don't even know about that. So when you see the schedule comes out, the intentions will be, this is, this is the 17 weeks. Here are the 16 games for each team. Here's the Super Bowl in its current state. And we expect to start our season with fans. Now, training camp, no fans. Uh, they, they may not announce that with the schedule. And I don't think you're going to see preseason games, whether they announce preseason game schedule or not. I just don't think you're going to see them. Um, so aside from those two things, the rest is sort of, you know, like all of us day to day. We really don't know what the future holds. But that schedule that came out with Atlanta on the Monday night, it, they then had the rest of it kind of made sense. I mean, they then had the next week, I think, was Chicago in week two. And then I think they went uh, to Denver. I mean, those are two road games that are non-division games, obviously. So I could see that, you know, early in the season, especially if you had to lop them off because they're not NFC South games. So there were some, some things that made sure, and I think they had national TV games against Kansas City and Green Bay, um, one against the Giants, I think it was. Uh, they play in New York, so that would be highly rated. And, uh, Steve, you said there's even been some talk, if college football doesn't come back, of the NFL playing on Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 been reports that they're looking at moving some games to Saturdays if there's no college football, which look makes a ton of sense for the NFL. If you're going to oh, yeah. play, one, you know, ABC, Fox, CBS, they all have college football packages. NBC's got Notre Dame. They would love to have mm-hmm. games on Saturday. Right. If there's no college football, they're going to want programming and sports programming. So the NFL all of a sudden could end up making a lot more money by opening up national TV windows on Saturdays all season long. That makes a ton of sense for the NFL if if there is no college football. Sure does, and that might not be reflected in this week's uh, schedule. No, but no I, I think that'll be a, that, that's going to be a you know hey this fall as soon as if there is no college football once we know then we'll start moving games. But yeah, we'll move. We'll have time to move games. And that's from easy. Sunday You're moving a game Saturday. up a day. I mean, and and yeah. So now all of a sudden, you know, Raymond James Stadium is not going to have college football on Saturday, so it's not a problem to move a game up. Exactly. And for all these football exactly. stadiums, it's really not going to be an issue. So. So it'll be another busy weekend in that sense for the NFL. And, of course, we'll follow all the shenanigans going on with uh, the Bucks. It seems like it never stops. Uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and all of those guys, as, um, you know, we'll see what they're able to do uh, with their virtual mini camps and things that they got going on. But nobody's on the field yet, especially at the uh, facilities. Later this week, we're going to have Tom Jones, my former radio partner, of course, now with the Pointer Institute. So we'll probably grab him for a couple days and also have a mailbag later this week. As always, your questions were really good last week. I'm sure you have a lot more. We'll try to answer all of those. All you have to do is submit them uh, online to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or I get a lot on email. It's uh, rstroud at Tampa Bay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody.